seriously, this is a time of year where I don't know about you, but Christmas for me gets crazy. You know, uh, the, the pace. My wife and I live at a pretty fast pace every year. And then you have all the added things that happen with Christmas, especially when you're a pastor and you've got candlelight services and things like that. And every year it just seems like this time of year just whizzes by and we don't really have time to worship and kind of meditate and think upon what Christmas is all about. So the next three Sundays that we have, Sundays before Christmas, we're going to slow down. We're going to slow down as a church and we're going to look at one entire verse. That's it for three weeks, okay? John 1.14 says the Word became flesh. If you have a Bible, you can turn there to John chapter 1. And my hope is that we can all just kind of meditate, open our hearts, uh, that this Christmas we can really think about what it means that Jesus was born um, and how that affects our lives. By the way, if, uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, there are four books in the New Testament. The, the Bible's split into two major sections. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the, and the Old Testament was written before Jesus lived. He came 2,000 years ago. New Testament after. The first four books of the New Testament are called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're named after the people who the Holy Spirit inspired to write the story of Jesus. So you have four different, we call them gospels, but four different stories that tell the story of Jesus. Now listen, if you've never read the Bible before or you've not been in the Bible for a long time, this is where you start. I know most of the time you get a book and you think start at the beginning. Don't go to the beginning, okay? Start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the same, same story, but they had a different emphasis. Matthew, for example, was a Jew who wrote to the Jews who wanted to lift up the fact that Jesus was the king. He was the son of David. He was the, you know, the kingdom of heaven. He was the, their waiting king. Mark wrote to the Romans, and he actually presented Jesus as a servant. Uh, the word immediately shows up over and over in the Gospel of Mark. And so Jesus was a king who came to serve. Luke presents him in his humanity. So if you want to find out details about his human birth or, you know, uh, prayer life or things that he did as a human, Luke was the one that focused on his humanity. John, of course, focused on his deity, that he was the Son of God. Uh, that's, you know, the gospel where you read, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. So we come to John, which, by the way, is my favorite gospel. Not that that matters, but I just love John. And, uh, and, and we begin John's gospel, and I want to share this with you because when you look at um, all of the way the Gospels start, each one of them ties into a specific genealogy, okay? Now, Matthew's genealogy goes all the way back to Abraham through David to show that Jesus was the king, the descendant of David. Mark, by the way, presents no genealogy because who cares where a servant came from? Luke presents a genealogy that goes all the way back to Adam, the first man, to show that Jesus was human, but John begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and through Him all things were made. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that came into being. And in Him was the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and it did not comprehend it. That First part of John ties right back into the very first verse of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so John begins, as we look at, and we're going to get to verse 14, but I just want to lay some background here. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. 
The Word was with God. The Word was God. Now, you might be a little confused here because you're saying, how in the world can somebody, whoever this Word is, be with God and also be God? You can't be with God and be God at the same time unless you're God. <laughs> because God is beyond our comprehension. Aren't you glad that God is bigger than your brain? Okay? If you could figure out God, then he wouldn't be a very big God. There are parts of God's nature that you will never understand. Inf infinite being, beyond time, beyond space, everywhere at the same time. Eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing. I mean, it's, you know, your brain explodes. But here's, here's what John's saying is that God reveals himself to us as one God who has three distinct persons. You say that makes no sense. That's okay. God is both a singular person and a community at the same time. He is Father, Son, or in this case the Word, Holy Spirit, the second person of the triune God. So we come to this scripture and it says, In the beginning there was God, there was the Word who was God, and there was the Word who was with God. And He, not it, was in the beginning with God. And through Him all things came into being. Everything was created. This word that was God and with God, he created everything. He created the stars. He created the sun, the universe, the galaxies. He created birds and he pl created plants and he creates animals. And he created mankind. In fact, God said in Genesis 1, Matt shared last week. Didn't Matt do a great job his message last week? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, God said, let us make man in our image. Who is God talking to? Himself. Now, if you talk to yourself, it might be a little weird, but God can talk to himself because he's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's saying, let's make man in our image, and he creates mankind in the image of God. And then the Bible says, concerning this word, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness and did not comprehend. In fact, down in verse 9, it says that this word was the true light that lights up every man, every human being. doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, that there's good in people. And by the way, any element of truth or, or goodness or righteousness that has ever been in any human being, the Bible says, came from him. So who is this mysterious person, this eternal word of God, who was with God, who was God, who created everything, who is the light to all men, we find out in our verse that we're going to look at for the next three weeks. Verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw, we beheld His glory. The only, the glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so now we know who we're talking about. This Word Himself became a man. This is Jesus. The same Jesus of Nazareth who was born in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger because there was no room for Him at the end, we call this the incarnation. It comes from a Latin word, you know, carne, carnal, carnivorous. We're talking about flesh here. And the word incarnation means to be clothed in flesh. And when we talk about the incarnation, it is the word, the Son of God, clothing himself, taking on human flesh. The word became flesh. See, God became a man. God became a man in Jesus. That's the message of the Bible. And when he became a man, he did not stop being God. He added humanity to his divinity. Okay? He was divinity from the beginning, but Jesus, when Jesus, in fact, somebody has said that there was never a time when 
Jesus, when, when the Son of God was not, because the Word was from the beginning. But when He added humanity to His nature, they were, He became fully God and fully human. And by the way, not 50-50, like have you ever seen those manatars? Where you see like the man and he's got the horse behind him or something like that. We're not talking 50% man, 50% God. Because the scripture says concerning Jesus that in him all the fullness of deity dwelt in bodily form. He was a human being and he was God. So when we talk about Jesus and the incarnation, there's two important things that we need to understand. Number one, that Jesus himself preexisted as the son of God. Yes, Jesus began to exist 2,000 years ago when he was born. Okay? But before that, he existed as God, as the Word who was with God. And somehow, again, divinity was fused, joined with humanity, and it was added. Humanity was added to his nature. By the way, the name Jesus is the name given to the man. That's why you won't find the word Jesus in the Old Testament, because the angel came to Joseph and said, Mary, don't be afraid to marry Mary. See what I did there? Anyway, uh, to take Mary as your wife because the child that's in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus because it is he who will save his people from their sins. His people, not Israel. His people, humanity, will be saved. You're one of his people. And, and so you'll never find a verse in the Bible that says to ask Jesus into your heart. Or that Jesus lives in you. It says Christ lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Jesus was the name given to the man. And so Jesus preexisted as the word prior to his birth 2,000 years ago. Oh, by the way, the birth of Jesus is so significant if you pull up your iPhone or your Android if you went to the dark side. You will see December 24th, 2022 A.D. Most of our planet tells time by the arrival of God to this earth. Jesus preexisted as a second person. Second thing you need to know is he was fully human. He was started at conception inside of the womb. He didn't have a biological father. It was the Holy Spirit. But he came out of the womb and was born just the same way you were. And he had his diapers changed and grew up as a man and skinned his knee and burped and did other things that human beings do. He did everything you did except one thing. He never sinned. He was perfect. He fulfilled the law. He was good. Can you imagine a teenager without attitude? Or a toddler that never throws a temper tantrum? I don't know. He was fully human. So when we look at this, we have to ask a question. If this is true, if this is the, the message of the Word of God, the message of Christmas, that Jesus was both divine and human, why in the world would God, the eternal God who created everything, who is spirit and exists everywhere, confine himself to a body, the all-powerful God come in weakness of a human being, the all-knowing God have to become a baby and grow. As a, why in the world would God do this? Why would God come? Three quick answers. You can find these in your bulletin. But this is what the Bible says. Number one, that God came to reveal himself to humanity. See, he reveals himself to us in nature. We can see evidence of God's beauty and glory in nature. He can reveal himself to words through the prophets. But in Jesus... 
In Jesus, God says, here's who I am. You want to know what I'm like? In fact, down in verse 18 of John chapter 1, just a few verses later, the Bible says, no one has seen God at any time. But the only begotten God, who is from the bosom of the Father, Jesus, the Word that was with Him in the beginning that became flesh, He has explained Him. See, I could tell you that God loves you, but when love clothed itself in humanity and people who experienced Him saw the love in a tangible way, it was like nothing else. I could tell you that God is holy, but when you look at Jesus and you see His goodness and righteousness and not in stiff religious rules, but oh, by the way, if you want to know who God is, the church doesn't always do a good job of representing him. Christians don't always do a good job of representing him. Can I get an amen on that? If you want to know what God is like, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look at the person Jesus, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hebrews 1 says he is the exact representation of his nature. Most people I know don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with the people that are representing him. They have a problem with the organized religion. They have a problem with the hypocrisy because we're still sinners. Don't look at us. We fail. There's 89 chapters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read one chapter a day for the next three months. You'll know who God is. Because that's why Jesus came, to show us the heart, the person, the nature of God. Another reason he came was to identify with us. Think about it. The God of the universe who says mankind is so valuable, I'm going to create them my image, but then he decides to take on human flesh. He didn't become a dog. He definitely didn't become a cat. Dogs go to heaven, cats I'm not so sure about. Sorry, cat people. But by taking on human flesh, God is saying, I'm one of you. You're not alone. People look up and we watch shows about aliens. Are we alone in the universe? Jesus is the answer that says you are not alone. He took on human flesh. God did. You know, sometimes when people have cancer, they, they start losing their hair because uh, they're getting chemo treatments. And oftentimes people around them who love them will shave their heads to identify with them, to say you're not alone. This video went viral about a year ago. This man sitting there is losing his hair. He's in Italy, and the barber's one of his close friends. And as the barber is shaving his head because he can't keep hair, he starts shaving his own head. And when the man realized what he's doing, he's just visibly moved that his friend would shave his head to say, look, you're not alone in your cancer. I'm walking through this with you. The Word became flesh. The incarnation says, humanity, you're not alone. I'm here. God is here. Uh, his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He took on, Jesus added a dignity to humanity that, that we can't even begin to comprehend by taking on flesh himself. Every human being has value. Every human life is important. But mostly he came not only to reveal himself to us and identify to us, but to save us, to redeem us. Jesus came, God came and took on flesh as a rescue mission. Why? Because humanity was created in God's image. Adam and Eve, they were given free choice. We're not robots. You have the freedom to do what you want. That's what Adam and Eve had from the beginning. And God said you can do anything you want. Just don't do that. 
eat from the tree of the knowledge of tree and good eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and guess what they did they did and evil and good the knowledge of good and evil is in every human being, but sin came into the world. And we can see today there's brokenness in the world. There's suffering in the world. There's evil in the world. There's betrayal and abuse and lying and corruption, and I could go on and on. And the world is broken because of humanity. And not only did the result of their sin bring death and suffering into the world, but also brought the wrath of God because he's holy. But God loves humanity so much that Jesus came to reveal himself to us, to identify with us. But then Jesus lived a perfect and righteous life for me, for you. And then he went to the cross and offered himself as a substitute. He took the punishment there at the cross. The Bible says that God punished Jesus for every sin of every human, human of all time. It was put on Jesus. We sang that song last week. Um, then on the cross, when Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. And here in the death of Christ, I live. And this is the Christmas story. This is the Word becoming flesh. Why did he come to reveal himself to us, to identify with us, to save us? Now, I know I'm, I'm, uh, I'll use the word preaching to the... By the way, this is the difference. You, you say, well, Pastor, you've been talking for 20 minutes. You haven't talked about anything we do. You're exactly right. Because religion is about what we do. Religion is about you trying to be holy and make yourself up to God. Christianity is what God did. Christianity is what God did for us. That God became human. That Jesus came and lived and died to show his love for you to bring you back to himself. Every human being, you heard our Opportunity Elementary School educators say that every human being needs more than just reading, writing, arithmetic. They need love, don't they? And that love is found first and foremost in Christ. Now, I know for a lot of us here, you've heard this. This is not new. Maybe for some of you this is new, that Jesus was God in human flesh. But here's something about the incarnation in the last 10 minutes or so that I have that I want to share that kind of struck me this year in a new way that I hadn't really thought about. And maybe this is something you haven't thought about or maybe you've never heard taught from the Bible. But the truth that I want to leave you with today is that when the Word who was God was with God from the beginning and eternity passed, when He left heaven to clothe Himself with humanity... This was not just a 33-year stint. This wasn't just God temporarily identifying with us for a few decades, suffering the scourging, the crown of thorns, taking the wrath of God upon himself one day for all mankind's sin, and then going back to his former nature. The eternal divine son did not just make a cameo in this world. Because his humanity isn't a costume that he can put on and take off. When Jesus decided to take on human flesh, it was permanent. It was permanent. The God of this world literally became human and never, that, 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 was, that was, it was like fused together and that's who he is for all eternity. And so when we celebrate Christmas, it's not just a chance to celebrate Jesus taking on humanity, but his keeping it. Because this was a one-way trip when he left heaven. 
See, the Bible says in Philippians 2 that Jesus existed equal, coexisting with God, but he, he was willing to humble himself and take a position. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And given him the name that is above every name at the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now, don't take my word for it. Let me just show you this in the Bible because some of you are like, I'm not so sure I believe this. Okay, well, let's look. Okay? And then we'll talk about why it matters when we get done here. Resurrection. You know, after Jesus died, three days later, he rose again from the dead. He did not rise again in a spirit. He rose in a body. He said to Mary, John chapter 20, stop clinging to me. She was grabbing him. He said to his disciples, Thomas, you remember Thomas? I'm not going to believe unless I put my fingers. He says, Thomas, come here, touch my hands. Put your hand right here. I have a body. Just like Jesus had a body before he died, he had a body after he died. In the Gospel of Luke, he comes and he appears to his disciples, and they're all thinking they're seeing a ghost, a spirit. Ah! Right? And Jesus is like, why are you afraid? See my hands, my feet, come touch them. Okay? I have a body. So can we all agree that Jesus had a body after he rose? Amen? He was still human. By the way, why the hands and feet? I think there were scars there. He was saying, it's me. It's me, guys. But not only after he arose from the dead, 40 days later, he ascended into heaven. The Bible records this in, in Acts chapter 1, that Jesus, literally, the disciples went out. Jesus said, wait, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come inside of you. By the way, uh, that's what happens to you when you put your faith in Jesus. The Spirit of God comes to live in you. But Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, but I'm leaving. You can't come. And, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says that while they were looking at Jesus, he, a cloud, took, he went up into a cloud. That will, you won't forget that day when Jesus, like physically in a body, went into heaven. And they're standing there going like this. I'm pretty sure their mouths were open. Ah, like that. And then two angels show up and say to them, men of Galilee, why are you standing there staring into heaven? This same Jesus, who you have seen go from you into heaven, will come in the exact same way you saw him leave. How did he leave? Physically in a body. How is he coming back? Physically in a body. Zechariah 14.4 says his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. And while he is there right now in heaven today, Jesus is still coming back, by the way. Hebrews 2 says he is our mediator. Mediator means he's our high priest. He is seated at the right hand of the Father as a high priest interceding for us. And Hebrews says he had to be made like us as humans in order to intercede on our behalf because he understands our weaknesses. And oh, by the way, when... Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, there is one God, one mediator between God and men. And notice what he calls him, the man, Christ Jesus. He is still a man. Yes, he is still God. But he is still fully God and fully human who gave himself as a ransom for all. And he has a body. Philippians 3 says that our citizenship is in heaven. We're eagerly waiting for the Savior to come who will transform the body of this humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. What does that mean? That means Jesus still has a body and his body's better than my body because my body's deteriorating, getting older. I'm on the backside of the hill. There's hair growing in all the wrong places like my ears. Okay? 
I got hurt last night sleeping. I woke up in pain from sleeping. Can, anybody, can I get an amen on that? Does anybody? Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. You younger people are like, you're so old. I've got 10 grandchildren, okay? I don't know how that happened. But my new body is not going to be having sin and sickness and death or baldness. Long flowing golden blonde hair. Strong, young, eternal, without corruption, the perfect world we want. New bodies, Jesus already has it. He's the first one resurrected. Again, my point isn't about the body. It's that Jesus didn't just come down for 33 years as a man. He made a permanent transformation. This is a bad joke, but I hope you'll get it. You remember the story of the, what is it, the chicken and the pig who wanted to feed the farmer bacon and eggs for breakfast? And the pig said, yeah, for you it's just a little bit of involvement, but for me it's a full commitment, right? The, the pig has to be completely transformed. I, I guess maybe that's where I'm going is that Jesus literally stopped. He never stopped being the second person of the triune God, but he physically took on humanity forever. For you. For me. If that doesn't blow your mind, then... You're asleep because it makes all the difference in the world that Jesus is forever human. Now, what do you do with this information? I haven't talked about us and what we do. How do we respond? Again, this is the good news. This is the gospel that God loves you. And he did for you what you can't do for yourself. And there's basically two choices, and it's found right here in John chapter 1. Verse 11 says, when he came to his own, those who were his own did not receive him. That's your choice. You can do You've been given that choice by God to reject Jesus. But please don't reject Jesus because church people are idiots sometimes. Because this isn't about going to church or, or, or believing in baptism or six-day creation. There's one question, who is Jesus and what do you believe? And the people he came to literally crucified him. That was part of God's plan. You cannot receive him. You can reject him. Or verse 12 says you can receive him. As many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name and were born of God. It's that simple. What God wants us to do is to believe. Not an intellectual belief that just acknowledges, but with a heart. You open your heart. We sing that song, let every heart prepare him room. That you open your heart and you say, I believe. In fact, when we have communion in just a couple of minutes here, we're going to take the bread. And when you take the bread and you eat, you are saying, I believe that Jesus was incarnated, that the word became flesh. This is my body. When you eat the bread, you are saying, I believe in who he was. He wasn't just a man. He was God in human flesh. And when you drink the cup, you're believing in what he did. He shed his blood so that your sins could be forgiven. That's the heart of Christianity. When you open your heart and you say, God, I believe in who Jesus is. I believe in what Jesus did. And you receive him. The Bible says at that moment, here's what God does. It's like a, a trade, okay? We call it the great exchange. God takes your sin puts it on Jesus, and you're completely forgiven and righteous in God's eye, and his righteousness is credited to your account as a gift by grace. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We can't 
do anything to earn righteousness with God. It's a gift. But the reality is, is a lot of people are going to reject that gift because they don't want to admit that they need to be saved, that they need to be forgiven. The gospel is offensive to people because you're telling me I needed God to die for me. No, the gospel is so wonderful that that's what God did for you because you value, you are that valuable to him that he took on flesh. He came to this earth 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect life for you and he died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead. For those of us, maybe this morning, if you're already a believer, I want to challenge you to think upon this truth to meditate upon it. Maybe this year at Christmas, when you see a nativity, you watch a show or something, and you see a, I don't know, you got a nativity around your house that you look at. You think about that babe in the manger, that that was a one-way trip that the Word took, that there is still a man in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father, the God-man, the one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. That you have a high priest and this is how much he loves you. And that God would humble himself to add humanity to his nature, giving value to us and speaking in actions how much he loves you and how much you matter to him. That when you would open your heart and receive him, he would literally come to be born again inside of you. And that you would become his child as a free gift. As the worship team comes, I'm going to close with Hebrews 5, or Hebrews 4, 15, and 16, which says that we have a great high priest who understands our weaknesses. And that means that I can go to him today with my failures, my sins, my struggles, my pains. He's human. He knows what it's like to lose somebody. Some of you have recently lost somebody you love. For some of you, Christmas is a very difficult time. Jesus lost a father, lost I, I, the suffering that he experienced. We're going to talk about that next week. But he knows.